Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals, uh, one of the most listened to and watched podcasts dealing with addiction and recovery because we don't hold back and we even allow people to swear, although we don't encourage it, right? <laughs> but, but these are raw, raw stories about people's about what's happened to people's lives. I'm Randall Carlisle. My guest host is Destiny Garcia. Uh, for some reason, we do we do analytics as to who listens or watches, and obviously, the Utah area is the biggest yeah. audience. But coming in second place is a city in the Midwest, and they always come in second place: Columbus, Ohio. Wow. And hello, Columbus. Hello, Columbus. <laughs> and, and, and nobody can figure out why, but they're there. Maybe they have a population of a, a higher population of addiction. I don't know. We should look into that. They have a huge university, the Ohio State University. So I don't. <laughs> anyway, welcome. And uh, I'm, you suggested our guest today, so I'm going to have you introduce her. Yeah, thank you for coming. Uh, we have Triana Scarmella today. Uh, I suggested that we interview her because I love her story. Uh, she's amazing. The What she gives back to our community is huge. Um, and I think all the drug court graduates will know who she is. <laughs> so so maybe let's start with your with your the back end of your story, then we'll get to the positive side of what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, so I was born in California, Marietta Springs, California. Um, both of my parents uh, suffered with um, substance use and alcoholism. My dad actually died when I was 13 from his alcoholism. Um, I bounced around from state to state, and uh, I was finally adopted in Idaho at the age of 12. Um, that's kind of really, really began because my dad died like a year later, and I didn't really know how to handle it. He uh, had, I had, before I was adopted, they were giving you one last visit, right? Like with your parents or this, and he was the one that I really wanted to spend my time with. My mother really suffers with a lot of mental health. Uh, my biological, let me clear that up because I'm going to be talking about two of them. Yeah. <laughs> my biological mother has a lot of mental health and suffered a brain, a brain traumatic injury. And so things are very unstable all over the place. We always hopped around from place to cars to RVs. Like we were in and out all the time. And so when I finally got adopted at the age of 13, I moved in with a phenomenal woman. Her name was Julie Landreth. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't know how to be loved. I didn't know to how to have parents. I didn't know how to be, feel accepted. And so our story was really up and down. Um, and finally, uh, at the age of or at the age of 17, I had a daughter. Her name's Leonie Rayleigh. Um, and she uh, took, started to take care of her for me um, about a year and a half after she was born. And our, we were very estranged for about eight, about six years, actually. We didn't talk, we didn't communicate. I would always call or um, like try and leave messages and stuff, but my mom had decided to hold a boundary because I wasn't getting any better. And- You um, were using substances? Correct, yes. Mm -hmm. um, from the age of, I started when I was 13 and 
until about 15 and then I kind of took a break we moved to Cedar City out in the sticks <laughs> she thought that would help <laughs> no drugs in Cedar help. City I'll bet you could find some <laughs> she wanted to get me away from Leonie's dad really if we're being transparent and all the shenanigans I had found myself in um and we had moved to Cedar City and then he followed me down there <laughs> a couple of years later and I decided to choose that unfound amount of love that I thought was there with him over a family that really cared about me genuinely. And so um, after that, uh, I had Leonie and I had moved her dad in with me and it got kind of crazy and all over the place. And then I finally had found that I had some serious separation anxiety and didn't want to go to work, didn't want to do this. And so I ended up losing my home and asking my mom to take on my daughter, Leonie. Um, it was back and forth between Salt Lake and Cedar City because I couldn't find jobs in Cedar City. There's only like really three places to work at there. And that was the telecommunications place um, and Walmart, which I had got caught stealing from when I was 15, so I couldn't work there. So they're not going to hire you. <laughs> Here, let me give this oh. back and now hire me. Walmart. <laughs> and the hotels, which I already worked at those too. So my bright idea of restarting my life was coming back to Salt Lake. And boy, was that something else. <laughs> I spent a lot of time um, in and out of hotel rooms trying to hold a job. I think my first job I got out here was like the Rocky Mountain Pie Factory, which I don't even know if that place is open I still. Don't yeah. <laughs> um, and it was a temp job. And so I was working and saving money. And I just, I finally had spent enough time away from my daughter. I wanted to go back and see her. During that time, I had signed a temporary custody waiver, which I was 17. I really didn't know what that was, but mm -hmm. I was told it was to take my daughter to the doctor, you know, things like that. And then I found out that um, my mom was moving to take on to adopt her, and it kind of threw me for a really big loop, um, and it kept me going. And my and my substance use for years and years and years, probably about ten years, maybe. Um, what substance? Uh, meth, methamphetamines, okay. yeah, uh, and hustling. Really, let's be honest, mm -hmm. like. The money was probably one of the biggest things to get away from because it was such easy money to me when I thought about it, right? And But really, it's not. You have to deal with all the drama, all mm -hmm. the people, people stealing from you. You have to worry about your safety. Um, I mean, the lifestyle is an addiction. Yes, it yeah. is. It absolutely mm -hmm. is. And it was all I ever knew for a long time. Um, and then I met uh, my son's father, and that was... <laughs> a whirlwind like we we still really care about each other however we were not very well in a relationship and i ended up getting pregnant with legend um in the summer he's my seven-year-old son so in the summer of uh i want to say well i mean he's seven now so i guess it would have been more like winter i don't know <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest in 2016 okay <laughs> there we go um, he was born in October of 2016 and I had been through a lot with Derek um, and we 
were both abusive to each other. We were both stealing from each other. We were running away from each other. And not very many good times did we have together um, as when we were sober or when we were using. And so when I got pregnant with Legend, um, I had a couple of choices. I could figure it out. And his dad ended up going to jail because he was running from everything under the sun. And, <laughs> and when, you're, when your other half's on the run, you're on the run. And so it was very hard to be on probation and and be in a relationship with someone who was on the run. And I asked my probation officer, I said, this is where I'm at. So he gave me an ultimatum. He's like, you can turn him in or you can stay out. And I was like, well, I'm not turning him in. I don't do that. <laughs> like, that's not what we do here. So I ended up going to jail and put in the Atherton house and, um, it really did some good for me. I got to become like self-sufficient. I got a job. I got um, time. I got started getting visits with my son, and I was successfully reunited with him. Um, he was actually. I think I skipped over that whole part. But my son was taken from me at birth because I was um, on the streets using and had nobody to lean into. His dad was in jail, and it was really really hard. Um, my feet were probably the size of my boots, like, because I was pregnant and walking up and down the streets, just trying to survive, just trying to make sure I had a roof over my head every night, um, make sure I had food, a way to take care of myself. Um, and during that time I met some people that really helped and really didn't cause ended up stealing from me, you know? And so it was just like a circle of chaos. And when the night before my son was born, um, I had actually decided to go to a uh, domestic violence shelter in Tooele County uh, because that's where his dad was at the time. And my water broke the night before I was leaving. And I knew that I was not gonna bring my son home, even though I had hoped. I knew he wasn't going to. Um, when I was in the hospital, I was not treated very kindly. Um, they actually, Mind you, I've been up for a while, and they actually used that against me because I had finally slept after hard labor, and and they had said that she was neglected and all these different things because I was asleep during that time. And when I woke up and I asked to see my son, he was not allowed to come to my room. Mm. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and that was my reality check. Um, Why? I... I stayed sober for about six weeks after that, um, after Legend was born, and um, then I started hanging out with the wrong crowd again and was using until about, he was about four months old. And DCFS sat me down and told me um, that if I didn't get my stuff together, they were going to be working towards adoption. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have a year. They're like, not if you're not complying. You have six months. And from that moment on i got serious i was able to hold boundaries with um with derek it was really hard because he was all i'd ever known but i was in atherton i got moved into app that's where i went to jail then so now fast forward back to what i was talking about <laughs> in my add brain <laughs> Um, this is when I had gotten on paper, I had talked to my APMP officer, and he gave me that ultimatum and was like, you need to choose. And I chose to go to jail. And that's where we came up with Atherton. And 
I what is Atherton? Atherton is, it's like, they call it the halfway back house. Okay. Um, it's kind of like Orange Street, actually, but um, it's for individuals who are on probation or have already exited prison and are looking for somewhere to get stabilized. Okay. Um, and so I've never heard of it either. I've heard yeah. of it, but I just wanted you to explain it so yeah. that people know what you're talking okay. about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. um, and so I was there for about five and a half months. I got into sober living, like everything was going really good. And Derek had um, gotten out of jail and we were um, trying to co-parent or trying to, you know, I wasn't trying to co-parent then. I was trying to be back with him. Let's be honest here. And <laughs> co-parenting comes later. Um, he got into sober living, completed treatment. And so things were going really well. Um, eventually I was granted back full custody of my sons and we got an apartment. We were staying together. Um, and, but we were just existing, right? Three, almost three years later, we were just existing. And um, Derek was very unhappy and I wasn't very happy either because all I did was work. I worked all the time, came home, prepared meals, cleaned the house. Like that's, that was just like my cycle, my ever evolving cycle in that. And um, my, he came and this is where things fell apart he came home and you know he was under the influence and i held out for about six weeks and there i was again back in the same circle but Boy. this time it was with my son and fast forward you know to a couple months before march 30 2020 um we were fighting all the time we beating the crap out of each other. I broke, I don't know how many car windows on my own vehicle because he was driving off with it, right? <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> um, and my son had witnessed this all. Mm. And it really took me to a dark place with him myself um, because I'd fought so hard to get him back. And here I was putting a man and a relationship before my child, which I had done already with my daughter. And I knew something needed to change, but I didn't know how. And on March 30th, 2020, um, there was a gun that accidentally discharged in my house. And somebody, um, I won't mention names because so I want to be respectful, but a close friend of Derek's, and he wasn't a friend of mine, um, he died because of it. And we were scared and we handled it all the wrong way. Everybody left. Um, they moved him outside of our house and I call, I did call, I stayed and called 911 because I wanted him to have the best chance. But he did unfortunately die. Um, and the scary part about that is, is it could have been anybody in that house. It could have gone, that bullet could have gone through the wall and hit me, it could have, my son was sleeping on the couch, it could have hit him. Like any one of us could have died. And it was very, very traumatic and very scary because I was sitting in an interrogation cell for like 10 hours and they had posted it all over the news that it was gang violence and because they were from opposite gangs and um, it was, it was something that really woke me up. That would, <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. 
And you did you did, were you charged with something then? I was. Um, so originally it was just uh, abscond or no? Uh, oh my gosh, it was just obstruction. Obstruction. That's what they. I you. read the story. <laughs> okay, obstruction of justice, and um, because I had lied and all these things, and eventually they had charged him federally with these with the guns that were in the home, and they charged me state. Um, and so I was really blessed during that time. My really good friends, Matt and Whitney, bailed me out of jail. Uh, my son was placed back in the um, foster care system. Um, and for seven and a half months, I um, was able to slowly but surely rebuild my life. And it was really hard. I got, I got put, so, and this was all during COVID. So everything was shut down. Treatment centers, like everything was shut down. And so I was, I called my case managers. I was like, what can I do? I don't want to just sit here and wait for things to open. There's gotta be something. Um, I asked about, well, before I knew it was family dependency court and it was actually rebranded into family recovery court. I asked them about that. I asked about all these different things. And so I did treatment, um, I, I paid for treatment out of my own pocket for like the first six weeks because I didn't know what else to do. And then eventually Family Recovery Corps got in touch with me and they were like, hey, this is, um, this is an option for you. And these are the places you can go to treatment. Cornerstone. That's where I ended up was yeah, Cornerstone. Sure. Um, and I was in a three-bedroom apartment with basically 10 people right off of North Temple for the first mm. seven months of my recovery. Right. <laughs> During that time, I learned a lot about boundaries. I learned a lot about... What you needed through yeah, the years. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. I, bought, I got put on a no contact with his dad. And that was like probably one of the best things that could have happened to me because I really got to sit back and reflect mm-hmm. on all of the pain, all of the trauma. I mean, there were good times too. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been together. We cared about each other. We, I mean, I still have a lot of love for this man, you know? And however, I know that I never wanted my son to see that side of his mom and dad again together. And so I had to really make a choice and move forward. So did you go into family recovery yes, court? Yeah. I did. I moved it. I got into family recovery court and I successfully graduated um, of June 4th, no, June 10th, 2021. Um, and it was great. I got put into Life Start Village after I was sentenced because I should have been in prison. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but Judge Kendall took a chance on me. And he gave me a second chance. And he gave me zero tolerance probation. And I was like, I've never been so happy to check into AP&P in my entire life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, never. I was, like, skipping in the door. <laughs> and Life Start's a nice place to live. It is. Yeah. Um, it is a really nice place. And I actually passed that up. The first time, because I was worried about where I was going to put my family. And this time, it was about You were worried about me. where the guy was going to go. Correct. Yes, okay. I was. I was worried. Boundaries. About Boundaries. <laughs> I didn't have any. Yeah, yeah. I get that. <laughs> and I um, hey, had so much built up in me and finally just moving forward, right? Like moving into Life Start. I worked at the Haven as a support staff and then I became their kitchen manager um, and then I had a lack of boundaries, and <laughs> I ended up working at Ysera. Um And it was really cool because I'd always wanted to work there. The whole time I was in treatment, I went, one day I'm going to work there. 
one day I'm going to work there. Tiffany Nacarado was my coach. Yeah. And now she is not just my supervisor, but she is my friend. Mm -hmm. She is absolutely my friend. My son loves her. Um, and it's amazing the amount of support that I've been able to build um, and feel full of. I never would have found myself hanging out with women. Like, mm -hmm. that was really hard for me because I didn't trust them. I have mommy issues, as you heard. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so trusting women wasn't, um, wasn't something I did. But now I have an entire village of women. Yeah, you do. I yeah. do. The <laughs> the executive director and, and everybody and a ton of people that work at you, Sarah, and you're still there, right? I am. And what's your position? Um, I am part of the recovery support services team. Um, I'm one of the long-term recovery coaches. I am blessed and grateful to get to go into courtroom settings um, and advocate. I'm using my lived experience to help bridge gaps and help them see from a different angle. I go to felony drug court. Um, and talk about things that are happening within their community. Or if I just see someone who just looks like they're having a bad day, I get to sit with them and, and inquire why and ask them. And maybe someone's mad before they go before the judge, but because I took that extra 10 minutes to talk to them, they get to go in with a level head, you know, and helping them see light. And that it's not everybody in the world against them how they're feeling in that moment. Because that's what Tiffany did for me. And I get to do that. I think most importantly, as I'm hearing your story, your childhood sucked. Okay. <laughs> I mean, to be honest. Yes. And, 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 it's terrible. and throughout the whole time that you were having trouble with boundaries and you were looking for love, maybe mm -hmm. in all the wrong places, but you didn't feel good about yourself. But it seems like you do feel good about yourself now. I definitely do. I, I never felt worthy or loved or enough. And today I do. I get to stand proudly and advocate for my son, um, which is something that no one ever did for me. But when he's having a hard time or someone's labeling him as aggressive, I get to stand up and say, that's not what we're going to do. We're not going to label my child because those labels will stick with you for the rest of your life. Right. And so I get to do that. I get to be present. I get to watch my son's Halloween parade and throw co-parenting birthdays with his dad and his you know and and it's been really cool to watch because I didn't know if I was going to be able to hold those boundaries but I get to do that today I get to be here and I get to be present with you guys Toronto just spoke at the uh, drill court graduation this last week I did yes how did that go it went good um <laughs> <laughs> you know I always get nervous <laughs> yeah even in court I still stutter all the time but that's just who I am, and I get to just be my authentic self and show up. So, And I think you're a great advocate for that. A lot of people, especially in family recovery court, have their children with them, and they're going through these things that you've already gone through, and you can stand up and say, look, I've been through it, and look at where I'm at today. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. It's nice to see that glimmer in someone's eye when they're like, oh, dang, I could do that, you mm -hmm. know? Even when I run into people in felony drug court who I've known for years, and not the good ones, yeah. um, <laughs> they get to they see me and they ask questions and I get to stand next to them. So, and it's awesome. It's been such a liberating experience the last three and a half years, three, over a little three and a half years, because I've really gotten to know myself and what I want and what I expect and what I expect from others as well when it comes to my friendships. Like, I'm not gonna let you talk down to me or treat me horribly. And yeah. 
when I went through treatment, they, they kept telling me, they said, you've got to learn to love yourself. And that was the hardest thing it I is. went through. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like I never felt worthy of anything that happened to me. And so I drank, and then I'd feel semi-worthy, or I thought I did. You then know. you really felt like you loved yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's one of the hardest things. And, and, and you know what you showed, when, when people do assessments to bring people into programs like, say, Odyssey, mm -hmm. they ask about childhood. Uh, and and they do that childhood risk assessment, and, and there's that's that was not a gunshot. I great. That was. I'll just be honest. We had a little PTSD. thing out there trying to block the sun on the window, and it was a cardboard piece that fell down and made a noise. So, so I wonder why they. I've never been shot at, but it's still it's like whoa. I used to duck at fireworks after that whole thing happened. I'll bet you I did. did not like the Fourth of July at all. Just but, starting to get over that this year. But what I what I was saying before somebody shot at me is uh, <laughs> is uh, it, it, what happened in childhood is so significant in terms mm -hmm. of the rest of your life. It is, even though you don't know it at the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. I. A lot of my, I use that as a lot of excuses too. Like, well, I'm like this because my parents were, or you yeah, know, right. yeah, and all right. of those things. And, but really, it came down to like not knowing how to be loved by my family, and um, therefore and that made not really, feeling worthy, yeah. therefore seeking love. Yeah, right? and then I didn't know how to be loved when I got adopted by Julie. Yeah. Like I just, and she went through the ringer with me. Oh man. Like she even she gave me journals about when I would take off. I took off for like four and a half months. Jeez. Like I, I put her through a lot, and so yeah. when she finally was like enough's enough, like I was so hateful and resentful towards her for that. However, today I see why, mm -hmm. because she, my daughter, is so bright and so brilliant. I don't get to talk to her, but I get to see pictures of her, and she's on the 4-H club. She does archery. Like, she's a straight-A student, like, and she has an immaculate life. And I don't know if I could ever give that to her, so I'm grateful for where she's at. My mom's done a beautiful job with her. Wow. And I'm so grateful to at least see it from the sideline. We are out of time, <laughs> okay. believe, it or, believe it or not. And, and thank you for sharing your story because I think it helps. Hope, I, I think uh, probably loved ones of people in addiction or people in addiction watch these or mm -hmm. listen to these podcasts and so a story like yours really helps and you can become another Tiffany who what Tiffany was to you <laughs> right yeah, to absolutely. someone else yeah absolutely yeah. thank you so much for being here yeah of course thank I'm you glad for you having said me. yes <laughs> even though we had to twist your arm <laughs> did you pay her no oh. <laughs> Tiffany <laughs> told her go do it, <laughs> she do it too. thank you very much absolutely. you've been great and, you. and you're doing great work now and thank you for watching another edition of Odyssey House Journals.